Hi, welcome to Help with Hannah Jones. I'm Hannah Jones, and this is a podcast where I answer your questions, dear Abby style. Thank you, Patreon patrons, for making this podcast possible. And thank you, Dude IDK Studios, where we are recording today. I have a guest in the studio to help me answer your questions today. Um, she is the host of the hit podcast, Fluently Forward, about celebrity gossip and a general woman about the internet. It is Shannon McNamara. Woo! <laughs> Hi guys. Hi. I'm Thanks. excited for this. I've never really done an advice podcast before. So. Really? Yeah. I I mean it is kind of like the main format of podcasts that exists now, but it's yeah. the only kind of podcast that I listen to. Mm. So when I was going to start a podcast, I was like I guess it has to be that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do like listening to it. And I miss Dear Abby. Like, I just so love, like, also seeing what type of advice people give. It kind of tells you a little bit about them. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was straight Dear Abby and then Dan Savage. Do you oh. remember back when it was a written advice column oh yeah i yeah. was obsessed with him he's how i learned about everything holes related <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do like i remember yahoo answers as a kid oh yeah. i had an account with like so much karma or points on it because like in high school i would be like advising women on their divorces i'd be like sit right here like here's what you have to do like i would just go through and give advice and i was probably 14 or something like i shouldn't have been giving advice but i would just sit for hours and like give advice to people asking questions on yahoo my favorite thing about talking to you is that because obviously <laughs> you and i met via running in the same internet circles yeah, vaguely. yeah. and then every time we talk about a different era of the internet <laughs> that we've all been through you were also had prominence in that era of the internet. <laughs> like even back in Yahoo Answers days when I was, I never had an account, but I was always looking up just essentially like, um, it, w will boys hate me if my boobs don't get any bigger? <laughs> will boys hate me if I if my butt doesn't get any bigger? Will boys hate me blank? <laughs> yep. And then there was always an answer. Maybe I yeah. was answering your questions and Quite I was possibly. like, no way they won't. Here's a Taylor <laughs> Swift song that you should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that classic Taylor Swift song about getting boobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, how have you been recently? I've been good. Just chilling. It's the end of summer. We get that nice crisp feeling in the air. I've always yeah. said that like New Year's Eve should actually be in September because that comes with like the back to school feeling like the you're air so gets colder right. and you're like fresh start. Like now feels like the time to like start a new project or a new lifestyle trend or Plus, something. Now is like so the time at the end of summer is the time that I always kind of want to go sober for a while. Yeah, me, me <laughs> so if New Year's, if I could have a New Year's resolution where I stop drinking and like start working out a lot, the best time for that to happen is in September. And now it's good running weather too. So you can oh, like swap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I experiment with sober curious, but I got a bunch of weed drinks lately. So like, mm -hmm. are you still sober curious if you're just not drinking alcohol, but you are drinking THC? These are okay. I've had the CBD drink but these are straight THC drinks. They, like they mix a little high. bit of it in. So like mm. you're going to feel more than just relaxed. I'm okay. going to try my first one tonight. Fun. Yeah. yeah Wait, yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. I do like, I like the fun um, alcohol alternative drinks when I do go sober. I'm always in a progressive phase of like, 
cutting back, which means I'm approaching sober at all times. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just praying I never have to really go there. (laughs) (laughs) That's so relatable. Because like when you drink too much, especially if you, I think if you get older, I think this might be why older people want to be sober curious. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had like a shitty margarita with margarita mix? Yes. Like when I was 20, I loved that. And now that I'm 30, I feel like if I have a shittily made drink, I'll have a sip of it and be like, I'm really interested in going sober curious, you know? (laughs) But then if you have a really well-made cocktail or glass of wine, you're like, actually, I'm cool with drinking. So maybe that's what it is. I had two diametrically opposed experiences where like, and it's so funny that you said margarita because um, yesterday I went to lunch with a couple of friends from college, one of whom was visiting from Denver I hadn't seen in a while. And it was like a fun lunch. And I was like, I'm going to get a margarita. And they deliver it to the table. It's way too strong. Every margarita in the world is a double. And I have no idea why it doesn't <laughs> need to be a double. It could be so fun to just have a regular lunch margarita and not just be wasted at 1 p.m. Yeah. Feeling like you're getting a fucking sunburn. Yeah. But yeah. So they like bring me the world's strongest margarita. I have to be like, Hunter, can you drive us home? I'm accidentally fucking hammered. The difference between <laughs> one and two drinks. It's night and day. Yeah. And yeah. especially because I don't drink more than one drink hardly ever, it really fucks me. We go back and we're playing Mario Kart in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> uh, actually, allegedly. So by the way, you're dri- you're driving drunk because <laughs> you're a work day carding. For me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm driving drunk because I'm carding. And I and the whole time I was thinking, I definitely wish that I would have had an extra rational thought in my brain being like, don't have a margarita at lunch today. They're always too strong. And it's not going to feel like you want it to feel. But how I wanted it to feel was this past weekend when I was camping and I had a beer by the campfire. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this beer by this campfire is like possibly the best sensory experience I've ever had in my goddamn life. Pairing the alcohol with activities like... Like, okay, if I'm having a dry white wine, which is my favorite, I want to be on a back porch of a Connecticut mansion yes. and the kids are all tucked into bed and the dog's Absolutely. at my feet. Like, <laughs> oh, that feels so freaking good, you know? And like a beer by the campfire. And if you drink outside, it counts as like half a drink because you're outside, so it's good. That's so true. Half yeah. of it evaporates into the air. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I, know. I took science. It like goes up and then the clouds and then it mm-hmm. rains down. The yeah. cycle of water. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. So yeah, campfire beer is like that you could be sober and have a campfire beer because yeah. it's a campfire beer. We also did shrooms during the day, allegedly. No, they're legal here. We yeah, fully did shrooms <laughs> during the day. And I just did a little bit. That's my favorite thing to do when there's psychedelics going around is doing a little bit less than everyone else is doing so yeah. that I feel like I'm safe. Yeah, you take notes on everyone. Like sometimes yeah. I'll do that, yeah. But it was, a, it's, I went with a couple of friends and we've been camping at the same place with the same group for many years now as a bit of like a summer tradition. So it's like the optimal place to do psychedelics because you know everyone and your surroundings really well. Yeah. Um, and I felt super comfortable and it was so nice. We had like just enough time in the sun where we were all peaking and then we went to our tent because it got a little rainy. Um, it was actually pretty rainy all weekend, but surprisingly morale stayed strong. But you know when you like did shrooms all day um, and then you're like kind of coming down and you're like, eh. And then you like crack open one nice drink. 
to like get everyone back on the same page of like friendship because at the end of a shrooms trip you're always like my tummy hurts a little bit and the visuals are gone and I don't know what we're gonna do next and to have that nice transition point of like now it is nighttime and we're gonna get a little giggly again and then feel all cozy in our sleeping bags (laughs) no you're so right because there is that tailwind end of it Mm -hmm. but then it's also hard because it kind of like goes in waves up and down so you'll be like oh like I don't know and then you'll be like actually I know and I kind of know everything and you'll be like no I actually like don't know again and the nausea is also real because you're like am I gonna have diarrhea like next to my in my friend's bathroom right now or like am I not so that's like another element to it yeah the nausea sucks Yeah, it's so interesting when you're on psychedelics because, like, I was having, like, such a... We took the shrooms, and you never know kind of, like, what type they're going to be, but they ended up being silly. Just goofing, just bits, (laughs) bits, bits. We were creating, like, different rules and, like, different running jokes, and everything was, like... It was, like, the perfect Seinfeld episode, you know? It was just so exquisitely put together artistically. And then I accidentally looked at my phone, which was an extraordinarily overwhelming experience. You it's should also never crazy look at your that, phone like, when you're... The way that I have no desire to look at my phone when I'm on drugs, mm-hmm. which is funny because when I'm sober, my screen time's literally 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated by like the difference of like the power of drugs versus the power of your phone. And I feel like phone beats drugs usually. When I am on drugs, the way that I feel about my phone is that it's like a... <laughs> It feels like I'll always put my phone like across the room so I don't get the muscle memory of like, oh, I should check this once an hour, you know, but I'll put it across the room and it feels to me like imagine like the hat man is sitting in the corner and was that like a demon? That's the sleep paralysis demon that everybody sees (laughs) that's really scary and he's like glowing eyes and like a black silhouette with a hat and... (laughs) Like the Babadook or something. Yeah, but the vibes are like the Babadook is in the corner and we're all having a conversation and it's fine. Just like don't look at the Babadook (laughs) and don't think about the Babadook and certainly don't engage with the Babadook and be like, hey, what's up? Who are all the people trying to contact me? What business things am I overdue on? How many tickets have I sold? (laughs) Yes. Don't look at the hat, man. It's like a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. And it was funny because I did end up, because we, it started raining. We all had to go into our, and I thought I was kind of like sober. And then I looked at my phone and I was like, I am not sober yet because yes. when I'm sober, I can handle the experience of looking on my phone. And I remember I like looked at a couple of things and I went through the entire emotional arc of like, this is disgusting that so much of my life is dependent on what happens yes. on this device that brings me mostly pain. And then I, I, I remember seeing like a very, um, sad (laughs) okay so actually let me rewind and give you some Denver (laughs) comedy gossip oh please I love Um, gossip so uh in comedy in general like opportunities are scarce and it and everybody's kind of overworking themselves they're putting a lot of time and energy and not getting the money like we're all just underpaid and competitive 
And um, so a lot of times there will be like a thing that everyone could get. Like there's this big festival called JFL. And every year when JFL like announces its new faces, the people who got it for the first time, everyone else is like sad because literally every comedian ever wanted that. callbacks for like High School Musical or something. Totally, exactly. And then there's on local levels. So there's this like thing locally that everybody wants. And then whenever it gets released, who got it? uh, Everyone's like, ah, bummer. But then a lot of people who maybe don't have the best mindset around comedy or like struggling emotionally will create like long Facebook posts about like how disappointing it was. Not on Facebook too. On Facebook too. Well, because do they do that because so that way no one reads it? Because like who's on Facebook <laughs> No, anymore? because Denver comedy is like very Facebook oh, okay. heavy. Like because the scene is so like ancient and like it's like so <laughs> old man that they have to be on the old man social media platform. Yeah. But so I remember reading one of these long Did posts. you, are you in JFL by the way? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, oh, okay. No, not super close to getting that kind of an opportunity, but that's like an illustration of like the kind of local opportunity that this post was about. Sure. So it was like this big long post about how disappointed this person was that they didn't get something. And I remember reading it and being like, whew, at least I'm not that guy. <laughs> and, and I locked my phone and I put it away and my shroom strip was saved. Yes. Wait, that's so cringe though. So somebody won't get it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in college when I tried out for the improv team the first time, I ended up not getting it. And I was like so mad. I was like, I actually like fuck all of those guys on the team. Like they're actually like idiot nerds or whatever. And they probably are. Yeah. Because it's but college then, improv. But then next year I made it and I was like, oh, I oh, never mind. These guys are the they're great. best, you know? Because like there's such a personal feel. And I don't know how actors and actresses do it because like you have to get rejected all the time. And it feels so personal. Mm-hmm. But even when I was like 18 in college, never would I post on Facebook openly about how I was like disappointed about not getting something. Like, how do the posts read? Yeah. Well, I think that there's like comedy tends to attract people who maybe don't have the best grip on like the social consequences of their actions all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I'm definitely would consider myself a part of that community. Like not always the most aware of like how I'm coming across. And they're like feeling a feeling and they like want that feeling of like a bunch of other people being like yes this feeling is normal and I felt that way too kind of thing and I try to remember that like outsized disappointment at rejection is always not about the thing it's about like that thing was set up to trigger you like if you're really upset that like uh, a person rejected you romantically it's not because of that person you hardly know that person it's because you have inherent insecurities that you're having trouble getting past yeah and like same with comedy when I might feel like a twinge of jealousy that like someone else got something I always try to remember like oh it's because I'm overworked and underpaid and this thing feels somehow connected to the bigger issue of me being overworked and underpaid yeah god okay good thing you have the advice podcast i mean that was pretty profound thank you so that's our first set of advice today everybody sure (laughs) (laughs) okay are you ready to get into some no wait hang on You recently went to the furry convention. Yeah, here in Denver. It was called Den Fur Convention. That's so phenomenal. And my friend Tyler and I went Sunday. 
We did. We dressed up a little bit. I got mm-hmm. like bunny ears and a bunny tail. I tried to do like an Alice in Wonderland meets the White Rabbit. It looked combined. very cute and Halloween, and Thanks. not at all what I think of as like furry. Well, here's the thing: those suits are expensive. Like just the head alone can be like a thousand to two thousand dollars, and the suit can be anywhere from there are suits that are like up to go up to twenty five grand. Wait. Yeah. That's actually all the girlies who, like, go to, like, the uh, cocktail bars in hotels in <laughs> Manhattan should instead be going to furry conventions to find their rich husbands. Because those men have money. Like the Yeah. the cra- And if you see, like, a fursuit with, like, sometimes they have, like, little lights or, like, marquee things that go across, it's, like, get your holes open. Like, that guy's a billionaire, you know? Fur billionaire. <laughs> but um, it was honestly, like, I didn't know what to expect. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like... Like you hear certain things about furries online and you're like, oh my God, they're all having sex in fursuits. There was some sexual stuff at it, right? Like some of the art, some of the dildos. Um, <laughs> some of I the say, dildos were sexual. Some of them were quite wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> some of them were holy and then some of them were X-rated and one of them was inspirational. Um, inspirational dildo? Yeah. In can you explain? I, know, I guess it inspires you to like take 20 inches in your back door. Because I was asking around too, because some of these ones I was like, how does, like, I've had a vagina my whole life. I'm like, I don't know if I could put some of this in me. And mm-hmm. they were saying that a lot of the big ones or the long ones that are like tentacles are for the back door. Yeah. Because it can go like all the way up there. I did know that. And there's like a, a great deal of room in there. Men always say that yeah. once you get past the opening, it's like... Yeah. The world is your oyster. I imagine it like, I don't know why I always imagine it. Maybe because, you know, like when you blow a balloon, which by the way, kind mm-hmm. of looks like an asshole when you're blowing it. But then like you have the huge balloon, but the tight opening. That's yes. kind of how I imagine the ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it was fun. And everyone there was like so friendly. And mm-hmm. honestly, it was like a mixture. I bought like a lot of the merch. It's like a mixture in between Neopets and Pokemon. And it's these animal cryptids. And like everybody's like making TikToks and dancing. It was a blast. I want to go to the next one. I always feel like I was a furry growing up in the sense that I had multiple webkins and I would imagine yes. that they had relationships with each other. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, because you know how like Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron was hot and like so mm-hmm. was the girl horse. And she was like, are you good? I was like, no, like we all thought, you know, when yeah. Simba became a teenager and the that he was hot. fish with the scar in uh, Finding Nemo. Yes. Oh, my God. Even and the turtle, marriage material. Low-key the tramp and Lady and the Tramp. Yep, and the lady, too. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> just, like, all of them. So, um, I don't Wait, know, but some people hold don't on. think that. I just realized I'm bi for humans, but I'm straight for animals. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a single what about female cartoon animal. No, nothing for me, because I don't like high femme. I don't like tits or ass, really. I just like... <laughs> Dick. <laughs> no, I just like women who have, like, a masculine vibe. Ooh, okay. I'm going to think on some animals. I know yeah, that there's, is like, there like, an Atlantis... Yeah, like, a butch cartoon that we know of? <laughs> a butch animal. I'm going to have to think about it. Who was your crush in Atlantis? Um, you know what? I didn't see Atlantis until I was like older. So it was, it was the man in Atlantis. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause you have Rosie. She was like a mechanic and then you have like the blonde lady and she was kind of a bitch. So I don't know if that's, you know what? Yeah. I don't think I even registered them as possibilities cause they were side characters. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Main <laughs> characters only. Yeah. Okay, hell yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. talking about the um, fur convention with me. Are yes. you ready to get into some questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. Oh, first of all, 
actually before um we have a message from a listener it came through the question submission he said not a question but i was the guy who submitted earlier about how to break the ice on dating apps you and the scientist guest that's tanya sabrina um recommended humor for all the guys listening it works getting more matches and braiding the conversation from initial attraction to a real conversation thanks for the advice signed chilling in chicago i'm so happy that it worked for you have you been going on a lot of dates getting a lot of pussy <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, we basically um, suggested really opening with humor. I think humor for straight men is the equivalent of like tits on straight women. <laughs> like it's just an undoubted, it's not the most important thing to everybody, but on average, it'll break the ice, you know? Yeah. Like, no humor. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was saying, I have, I usually date a lot of short guys, and it, mm. which is always staggering to me when so many girls are like he has to be six foot or over I'm like he really doesn't especially if you're like five three like I don't understand it myself but we were talking about how like you know if you're short you can't really help it mm -hmm. and I was like I guess if you're like really really short as a guy you just have to what like make a bunch of money or something and then my friend was like or you could be funny and I was like exactly literally like, you could be fun like even if the only thing you have going for you is funny that's a lot going for you because also, if you're funny, you're smart, so. I have always said this because I have been known to love short guys, too. Yeah. Specifically because I used to do a bit about this. Like, short guys work harder mm. to be palatable you know like I feel like a lot of guys just sort of like rest on their height and then have no personality and I feel like short guys really know that they can't get away with that and they really I always say like they eat pussy like it's their last meal <laughs> like they like need the calories because they're a growing boy you know yeah I'm with you I dig short guys and it's great because like all of these girls have like their you know standards set for like six feet above and then we come in and just absolutely Swoop, you gotta be looking for the thing that no one else is looking for yeah okay so before we get into questions number one i have shows coming up september 21st i'm headlining in oakland slash san francisco um tickets are almost gone low ticket alert this show will sell out not even because i'm so fucking popular but because this venue usually sells out their shows with their like regulars at the brewery so if you are one of my followers and you're waiting until the last possible day to get tickets please don't because that means some like random brewery regular is going to come instead of you um and that will be such a bummer so please get your tickets in advance if you can at all i'd really love to see a ton of you there chicago october 6th that ticket link is also up tickets are moving i'm so excited for both of these shows i'm getting my own venue and doing it independently if you are coming to one of those shows and you know the neighborhood and you have a suggestion of like maybe a bar everyone can go out to to hang afterwards definitely let me know we did that in denver and it was super fun getting to meet all of you and hang out with you after the show so um i'm also hitting on Austin, Des Moines, Bisbee, and Tucson this fall. Ticket links will be up soon. Please sign up to get a text when I'm in your city in my link tree. Number two, this podcast is sponsored by the Patreon. Patrons have first priority to get their questions answered, and they also receive a bonus episode every month. It's $3 or $10 if you're feeling generous. An absolute steal. You can't get anything for $3. You can't get a furry fursuit for $3. Maybe one little tiny rabbit tail. But that's it. Um, and if you want to ask a question to get answered in a future episode, you can find the link to that form in the podcast description or in my link tree. Alrighty. Question number one. Here we go. 
So, I just moved out of my parents' house and into a different city in January. I started dating my girlfriend in February, and I can't shake the feeling that I missed out on feeling single and independent while I had the chance. I love my girlfriend so much, and I don't want to break up. But I can't tell if this feeling of longing for my single life, which was so fun but also so detrimental to my mental health at the same time, is normal. It's my very first relationship, so I don't know if this is just jitters or something everyone goes through or if maybe there's a problem I'm not finding a name for. Sometimes I want to ask my girlfriend to open things up, but I know she would never go for that. She's just not that kind of person, and that is totally fine. I just don't really know what's going on in my brain, and I know you can't answer that for me, but I'm wondering what advice you would have for someone in this situation. Signed, Cardiac Salmon. Hmm. To start... I'm triggered. <laughs> you just moved out of your parents' house and you're super young, mm -hmm. which makes this harder to answer for me, especially since this is your first relationship. I feel like it's equally likely because both of these scenarios are really common. One is that you think you want single life, but you really just want like affirmation and you really just miss the feeling of like being f flirted with and shit. And that's super normal. Or two, you're dating someone you like actually don't like <laughs> and you don't know it yet because it's your first relationship. Both of those are such common scenarios, especially when you're younger. Yeah. For me, it's like, I can't tell, like, is this person avoidant? Like, do yeah. they miss the single life because they fear commitment? Like, what is it about the single life they miss? Is it coming all the time and random people? Is it not having to text someone where you are every day? Like, I would kind of drill down and be like, like, write down on a piece of paper, like, what do you miss about the single life? Yeah. And what do you not miss about it? And then notice, like, similarities in that. So maybe it's not the single life that you're missing, Maybe your girlfriend's too controlling, or maybe it's the fact that you're not having enough sex, or maybe it's the fact that you miss hanging out with your boys. I don't know. Like, there could be something there, but I'm with you. Like, I feel like if you have all of these thoughts about it, you probably shouldn't be in a relationship, especially, too, because they started dating in February. Yeah. Right? It's August. So this isn't like it's been going on for years and years, and, like, sometimes, you know, you do get, like, a little bit, like, oh, what else is out there? Um I don't know. I would say if I had to vote strongly, like stay together or break up, I would say probably break up, but figure out the reason before you do. That is so interesting because, yeah, I do kind of agree. My vote is leaning toward break up because you are so young. And I think that if you were older and had been in more relationships, I would say it is fairly normal in relationships to feel this like kind of gradual drop off of like the dopamine and you kind of have to like work harder to figure out how your relationship that you feel safe and secure in is going to give you a dopamine rush because most of us are used to getting our dopamine rush from unhealthy sources and that sounds like what you're saying when you said that like your single era was super bad for your mental health it sounds like you have this like tried and true pattern of putting yourself in not optimal potentially even dangerous situations and getting this great dopamine rush from it and there's probably like heavy substance use of involved because that's so common but but now you're in a relationship and you don't have that common source of like excitement and like the unknown mm. that being said 
it's your first relationship and it's only been a few months. I think it might just be the wrong relationship because when yeah. you're in the wrong relationship, it sucks. And sometimes it makes you think, oh my God, am I just not a relationship person? Like, am I not meant for this? Like, am I like, I don't know, can I just not do it? But then when you're in the right relationship, like everything just like makes so much sense and it feels so good and you don't like think about longing yeah. for the single life like at all so it could just be the wrong person that's true because when you are in the right relationship and you're experiencing that lack of excitement what goes through your mind is not like maybe i need to be single what goes through your mind is i How need can I get more per- excitement in yeah. this relationship like it's like really obvious that that's what's but if you're like questioning whether or not it's that or something else it's like definitely the something else yeah but also this this person could have a fear of commitment because if i'm in a bad relationship i think to myself what if instead i dated the guy who dropped off the food takeout you know like you just want to yeah. be with someone else you don't want to be single so i don't know if you're genuinely super, if if what we're saying triggers in you a thought of like, yeah, we do need to break up, break up sooner rather than later. If you're still kind of like, no, actually, I really like this relationship. Try to incorporate more excitement and novelty into the relationship because you might also be doing that thing where you're just staying in and ordering takeout and watching TV every time you're together. And yeah. that will make you feel like this uh, yeah. because you miss the single life because you were going out and doing new shit. So start going out and doing new shit and that should clear things up pretty easily because either she's not going to be open to that in which case oh damn that was the problem all along Mm -hmm. she's a homebody and I want novelty Mm -hmm. or she's going to be into it and it's going to be like really clear when you're dating each other again that you don't want to date her cosine okay awesome um Question number two. I often feel like I will never meet anyone. I'm a 31-year-old virgin man, and I'm mostly terrified of women that I find attractive. Whenever I meet one, which is rare, I don't know where to go to meet people, and I'm very much stuck in a rut. My standards are probably a little too high for someone that doesn't have much to offer, but do you have any advice for meeting women? Or should I just give up entirely? I've tried all the online dating as well, but I just can't ever get anything going because it's so hard to get through to anyone or to have good conversation at all. Signed, Senator Biscuits. Where do these names come from, by the way? Are these I the said, Patreon? give me a moniker, okay. like um, like Dear Abby style. They would always uh, have like a little monitor. Yeah. And then some people have like really clever ones. And then some people have like really random ones. It's giving furry. It's like I'm back <laughs> it's there. It's so yeah. giving furry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, God, I have so many follow-up questions for this. Like I want to mm-hmm. know, A, what his standards are. Because sometimes people say that they have high standards and it's just that somebody like has a job and brushes their teeth or sometimes it's like they need to be hotter than Adriana Lima and be able to do the full splits and have the tightest pussy and it's like you do have high standards you know so I can't tell if this guy's like actually has high standards um if he's 31 and a virgin I would say that maybe he does have high standards in terms of like has there been opportunities where he could have been dating someone or been intimate with someone, but he turned it down because like they weren't good enough for him or something. I kind of take the opposite approach where like to me, if you are thinking about people in terms of standards and in terms of like, I can feel in your language, the overlay of this like marketplace concept. If that's ruling your thoughts, that's the problem that like you are looking at women and you're like, is she in my league? Is she not in my league? Do you think I could go for it? It really reminds me of, and I'm not saying that you're this person, but have you ever seen the documentary about incels, shy boys? No, but God, okay. I'm going to I'm going to hate watch that later for sure. So, there's this guy and to be clear, I want to like 
uh, preface this with like there's an interesting intersection with incel culture where it's like these men are by and large extremely young and experiencing an incredible amount of like outsized pain and isolation much of which I've related to at different points in my life so it's not so much that I hold this like extremely harsh judgment toward them like I do the rest of the world but it often leads them down this um, track of like aggression and hatred and bigotry toward women and that's not acceptable so I'm, I'm not going to like pull punch Punches. Um, some of your language reminds me a little bit of this guy. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I think you're in pain and it's making you talk a little bit like this guy, but it can be harmful. So that disclaimer aside, yeah. um, this guy was talking about um, the, the documentarian asks him, she's like, what do you bring to the table? And he's like, nothing. I don't have a job. I live with my parents. I suck. And it's like, oh my God, I feel for you, dude. Like, that's so sad that you feel like the only things that you can bring to a relationship are like looking good or having money like that. I relate to that feeling more than anything. Cause I'm a woman, you know, mm -hmm. the only thing we can bring to the table is like tits and like a various ratio of body measurements, you know? <laughs> and then he's like, and then she's like, well, what type of women do you usually go for? And he starts saying, I go for bottom of the barrel, ugly women, obese women. These are all his words, yeah. which are pretty disgusting. He's like marking a value on himself, which is zero. And then marking a value on a bunch of women and making sure that that value matches up. And the way that you say that, like, maybe my standards are too high because I have nothing to offer just really feels like you might be going through the world putting value markers on different, like, human beings. And if you see someone as someone that you can, like, rate with a number and think about whether they're in your league or not, that's, like, a really good indicator that you don't also see them as like a full-on human being mm. because I think that when I've dated with a healthy perspective I just don't see people that way I'm not thinking like is he in my league or not I'm like do we have a connection and people can really feel when you don't see them as human Yes. They can feel it from a mile away. They yeah. can, we can feel it from across a bar if you're looking at us and you don't see us as human. We know and we avoid. We walk the other way. And also, too, like in dating app conversations, it comes out in tiny ways. You know, like, oh, like, so do you even do anything for fun? Or like, but like there's little hints of like misogynism and certain questions sometimes. So that could be putting people off if you are talking to them on the apps. Totally. But it sounds like you're like a super self-aware dude who's like really trying to do his best to be like a good person. You're just so discouraged and that is such a familiar feeling so what is the question which the question i think has a few things in it one is like are my standards too high which is hard to tell because we don't really know what the standards are and then the second is how do i find more people because you know out of a pool of a hundred i'm only attracted to two and mm. those two women terrify me so i don't want to talk to them yeah, yeah. I would say try talking to the uggos until you get your uh, talking skills up. I would say... I <laughs> and would then talk to the half hotties and then talk to the supermodels. <laughs> I would say what if you took romance off the table and you tried to get more used to pursuing women in a context of friendship? Ooh. No matter how hot they are, what if you said for this year, I'm not going to try to meet women to fuck them. I am going to try to pursue friendships with women because you will learn a lot about women by having more women friends. You will learn a lot about what we are into and how to, like, get women just by having more female friends. We are giving golden nuggets of advice constantly. You have a five-minute conversation with a woman. <laughs> She's going to tell you how to seduce 
yeah. any woman you run into. It's really incredible how much knowledge we have. Yeah. Take sex off the table because it feels like all this pressure is provoking some shame in you. It's also interesting because just last episode we had a 31-year-old male virgin. I want to say he was 31 right in. He just got out of an arranged marriage which within the context of a cult. Ooh. So it's like, I know it feels like you're the only dude in the world who's 31 and still a virgin and has trouble meeting women, but it's actually the most common story in the world. Also, like, um, a lot of my friends recently have been meeting guys who are like 28, 29, 30 virgins and they end up like sleeping with them. I will say it's kind of sketchy on the guy's part because he'll tell them afterwards. This has happened to three of my friends. But there mm. are, it's it's more common than you think to be like a quote unquote older virgin. It's just that not a lot of people are talking about it. Do you it. think it's unethical to keep that from someone before you sleep with them? I don't think it's unethical. I just think I would probably want to know because maybe I'd want to give them my best situation. You know, I'd really want to trim up down there, maybe light a candle. <laughs> like I would want to make it romantic. That's so funny because if I <laughs> found out a dude was a virgin, I'd be like, like, he has nothing to compare this to. <laughs> <laughs> I will be That's true, my yeah. most grown out self. Yeah, you're like, I'm actually going to be eating Doritos as you fuck me. Like, yeah. who cares? And then you're going to be like, is this normal? I'm going to be like, I've eaten Doritos every time I've had sex. Since the beginning of having sex. And yeah. trust me, you're going to fuck a lot of women and every single one of them are going to be eating Doritos. Potentially Cool Ranch, potentially Pringles, mm -hmm. but they're all going to be eating chips. Sweet and spicy for me. This is normal. <laughs> yeah, you could really change someone's entire perspective. Yeah. Um, Your advice is great, though, being just like making other female friends. Like, I that's a perfect first step. Thank you yeah. so much. You can also, you can really feel when a dude is like good at talking to it. I feel like it'll make you so much less nervous when you start dating again. But if you feel like really scared of every woman that you find attractive, um, what if you approach them thinking like, there is, I am, I'm not even allowed to fuck her. Even if she was begging God, me. God, now it's hot. <laughs> I'm not even gonna fuck her if it's, if it's her last request before she's executed for yeah. a crime. Yeah. We're just gonna chat. And the more reps you get in of that, it will really cure your fear. Because it's also, exposure I think therapy. A lot of people think that hot girls are mean because I think Hollywood movies always write them that way. That some of the nicest girls in the world are extremely good looking and it took me like a long time to figure that out just because like growing up a little bit nerdy and then also like watching all of this media i was like oh, okay if a girl is a 10 out of 10 she also has to be a bitch they really aren't they're super nice so true. yeah also i think a lot of times guys we are pitched this idea from birth that like all guys find the same women the same amount attractive mm. that like every guy will look at a girl and be like that's a seven and it's wildly untrue. So especially in these incel cultures, because they really are obsessed with the like numeric value of hotness, hotness as commodity, and especially this like all important commodity that rules their lives, they will like look at a woman and be like, she is a six and I am also a six. And therefore, when I talk to her, she must be extremely flattered and pleased mm. to get this attention because she does not get attention every day. And I will say that you have no idea how much attention a woman is getting. So definitely don't approach 
approach uggos with this idea that like they're going to be so flattered that anyone's approaching them and definitely don't approach hot women with this idea that they're getting constant attention and therefore there's no way because like I have plenty of friends who are like really attractive and get an insane amount of attention online but like dudes don't approach them in bars because it's not extremely common to get approached in bars you really have to have like a social vibe for that to be happening also especially in the past couple of years like nobody's doing approaching at bars anymore yeah so really try to like put the thought of like what number a girl is out of your brain and like whether or not she might want the attention out of your brain and just be like I'm gonna approach this woman respectfully and see what her vibe is because they are all extraordinarily unique and not like archetypes and numbers yeah we visit the same internet forums because I know exactly what you're talking about have you ever seen that um like incel uh picture where they actually have the faces for one through ten we talked about this on the very last episode <laughs> i'm obsessed with the um the rating scale where yeah. it's like what the it's like 10 through um five for women are all supermodels and then threes <laughs> and fours are also celebrities just like amy schumer's and stuff and then two and one are just like actually medically disfigured it's like yeah. what it's the <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've seen it god i mean if if you can recognize that image like you deserve compensation basically but i i know Truly. We, we both know what we're talking about but then the funniest part of that forum the true rate me forum is that if you go into the individual threads where like a pretty normal looking beautiful younger yeah. lady posts and all these guys are being like eight six four eight nine yes. and then the admins will be like you're overrating her she's not a nine <laughs> she's not an eight and it's like what if beauty was like insanely subjective and there was an extreme <laughs> variety to the human form and like the appreciation of the human Dude, form the admins getting angry over the so that's funny. so real and also if you've seen the one through ten chart for um they have one for women but they also have one for men yeah and the 10 man just looks like he's gonna kill you it's just yeah. like the most aggressive looking man you see with like the most downturned eyebrows i'm like okay like that that's a murderer the and 10 like, he's man a 10. is like andrew skarsgård right just yeah. like creepy celebrity type and then nine through five for men are just like dudes like everyday looking like dudes. Jim like Jim Halpert, yeah. Yes, literally Jim. <laughs> like every guy who is a nine will also just like lives in your apartment building. Yeah. Truly. And then and then five and below are all like old creepy <laughs> like hunchback of notre dame he's a two yeah <laughs> he's not even a one. Oh, he's a solid four dude yeah elephant man is like a three because <laughs> he's a man <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay next question mm -hmm. I've been dating my girlfriend for six months. We're both in our mid-twenties for some background. She has brought up this quote-unquote relationship she had as a 16-year-old where she was hooking up with slash having sex with a 22-year-old. When she brought it up the first time, I was pretty disturbed because to me, it sounded very predatory. She is very adamant that she was not taken advantage of in any way and she insists that she was the, the, the one who, if anything, took advantage of this man. I'm worried that she needs someone to talk to, but I'm also worried that I might just be wrong about the situation. I've never really concerned myself with my partner's previous relationships too much in the past because it seems like none of my business. Should I be concerned? Signed, age gap relationship. 
I would say don't be concerned because like I've is this so dark like every girl's gotten raped or like been groomed I'm like so sorry but like it's so funny because guys will be like oh my which by the way is a great response to have because some guys don't take that seriously I'm happy that you're taking it seriously and that you're concerned by it there was an uncomfortable power dynamic but also don't like overwrite her interpretation of the situation she gets to lead that conversation if it's something she wants to process and be sad about that's her decision and it sounds like she doesn't yeah and also like every girl it's probably going to be one of those things that when she hits like 27 28 she's like wait a minute that was really predatory but so many i mean i feel like most girls have had a relationship where you think you were in charge and like oh my god you were actually like this mastermind nah you were just getting groomed you know it was just so well that you thought you weren't being groomed you know i will also say it's like a common experience that the age gap because every girl has had a crazy age gap relationship (laughs) when she was about 16 and it was with a musician and he was 22 to 24 and he had his own apartment but was like poor so you were like we're on the same level and that relationship she might see it as grooming if it was a bad relationship but if by all accounts he was like fairly nice to her which is super common like you can have a bad unethical relationship where the person's still really nice to you and it can still have been a positive experience like for me the relationships where like lines were crossed that were inappropriate were also not the relationships that like harmed me the most and so i really don't want to think of them as wrong because it's like what do I just have to think of like my entire fucking adolescence is just like a grand string of abuse. Like Mm -hmm. I'd rather just like see the nice spots for what they were. And like, she wants to, in the narrative of her life, see this as a nice relationship where she held the power and that's fully her prerogative. Yeah. I'm with you. I would say like, if she, if she keeps bringing it up, then maybe you could talk about it. But if she only brought it up once, then it's probably fine. And also the only thing she probably wants is for you to just, I don't know, give her a big hug and be like I would never like nothing's ever gonna happen to you daddy's home (laughs) I've also had this experience so often with the straight men that I've dated because I date men who are like a little bit more sensitive and nice oh (laughs) where (laughs) I mean I just I'm really attracted to a specific type of dude who's like extremely kind to me and extremely obsessed with me and it really steals me off from a lot of like harm that would come to me if I was attracted to like douchebags you know yeah but uh every time that I've dated a guy I have when we start talking about our sexual history they will like tell a story about like a crazy sexual experience and I'll be like oh you were perchance assaulted (laughs) that woman crossed boundaries and lines that you might not have known about but you they, it could have harmed you. I don't know. Do you feel like it harmed you? And um, and I, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at like introducing this as like, if you ever want to see it from that perspective, you would be in the right and I would be here for you. And if you don't, I'm also not going to like force that on you because most of the time they are not ready to see it from that perspective. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you'll see this look in their face where they're like, oh, I'm not ready for that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I also grew up Irish Catholic, so I'm like, sometimes things are good shoved under the rug. There's no need to vacuum it out. Just leave it there. It'll die. That's so true. A lot of people really believe that you have to, like, process something before you can, like, move and grow as a person. And, like, things that are unprocessed are, like, always holding you back. And I've never felt that way. I feel like you can really just ignore what you want. And it's better (laughs) that way. It's worked so far. (laughs) So yeah, I would say I would say let it go. Hell yeah. Let it go. 
Um, let her know that if she ever, yeah, I think the idea of like, if you ever want to talk about it under a different lens, I'm here for that. But you also get to decide what this experience was. So just let her know that if she does change her mind in the future, which she probably will when she's exactly 28, mm-hmm. like, you're there for it. And I'm, I'm so happy that you see it from that side and that um, you're like aware of this like major cultural trend of age gap relationships. Yeah. Also, too, so many guys, if you tell them about like something sexually traumatic that happened to you, they almost get a little slut shamey, you know? Really? Yeah. Have you not I've experienced that? I've never had that happen to me. Because <laughs> yeah, again, I only date really sensitive, <laughs> really nice guys. Anyway, but I want to say that like you writing in that question, like you are a really good boyfriend because that's that's really sweet to be thinking about your girlfriend in that way yeah really good boyfriend you get points mm-hmm. you are one of how the many good points ones. should we give him i say four points yes yeah. four points for gryffindor okay last question Ba-dum. should i put that i lost a significant amount of weight in my online dating profiles this year i lost a little over 80 pounds i still have probably another 80 to go i have updated the pictures in my profile to reflect my new body but as i'm still overweight there's a part of me that wants to let people know i'm on a weight loss journey but i don't know if that's tmi signed weight loss and waiting i like the phrasing of weight loss journey because like Mm -hmm. it's not just about like numbers going down on a scale right usually this is like a lifestyle change it could be something active you're doing something you're abstaining from taking up whatever and I've seen people on dating apps before be like in one of the prompts where you're answering a question like what do you like or what's a typical Sunday for you like you know they'll say I don't know I like to do this and then do that and then you know hit the trails parentheses like down 80 pounds and like 80 more to go or something. So they kind of work it into a prompt. And I think that's always reads great when I see it. I don't like ever think anything too much of it. What do you think? It's interesting because when I am thinking about dating profiles, I'm more so thinking about like what type of person is going to like versus dislike something. And is that the type of person that you want to be letting through the gates or shutting out of the gates? Mm. So for me, I get really scared to think that you... say like 80 more to go and someone's like oh well like maybe if they do intend to lose more weight I'm like okay with the way this person looks I would say you could be like I've recently gotten a lot more active and it makes me so happy and I'd love to meet someone who also likes being active and we could do that together that to me especially because it doesn't mention weight at all but it really kind of like Obviously, they can put two and two together and like, oh, okay, this person is like maybe going through a weight loss journey. But it also doesn't make any sort of like promises about like, I intend to look a different way in the future. Mm, Yeah. And I think there's also a lot of qual like every action that you do has qualities behind it, right? So like if you're an athlete, right, that shows that like you're dedicated, you're routine driven. If you are an artist, you're creative, you're a visionary or whatever. And if you are on a journey like this, right, like that does show the characteristics of um, goal setting, goal achieving, routine, planning things out, uh, determination. So I feel like focusing on those qualities more so than like you said, like the exact number, like I'm someone who like loves to like be active and like set goals and I'm looking for a similar, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I will also say from a like nutrition and 
weight loss and like cultural attitudes around weight loss being like my special interest kind of mm. I will say that like a vast majority of people who lose weight the weight loss journey will not be like a sharp and immediate slope down it will be a complex pattern of ups and downs and I hope that you're prepared for that emotionally and I also hope that you don't get with someone who thinks that that is bad mm. and that is a reflection of like your inadequate determination or something because it really has nothing to do like your body responds to weight loss by putting yourself in a, a state of starvation like every 10% of your body mass that you lose your metabolism slows down by more than 10% your body is designed to hold on to weight um, oh my god I didn't know that 100%. 100% there's actually a phenomenal article that I've been obsessed with my entire life and that I ask everyone close to me to read from the New York Times is called Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. But essentially, there's a great deal of conspiracy related to the weight loss industry and weighted oh, my, to our... My ears perking up. I'm like... Our conspiracy. medical attitudes around weight loss are very much dictated by the fact that in the 80s, people accidentally made a drug that made people lose weight, but also caused heart attacks. Was okay? this... Uh, Adderall? What? But it's similar. It's okay. an amphetamine. Yeah. And to get this drug FDA approved... And you're like, oh, we have this, it's causing people to lose weight. That could make a lot of money, but it's causing heart attacks. That kills people, so that's bad. The only way that the FDA will approve a drug is if it has a side effect, but the side effect is not as bad as what it cures for. So if 16% if of people who take this drug, and this is a random number I'm throwing out, get heart attacks and die, but you can prove that 17% of people who are obese get heart attacks and die, then your drug will be approved by the FDA to be prescribed to people who are technically obese. So then you have this company funding studies that provide a shoddy link, a shoddy correlation between obesity and heart attacks. Oh. Many of those studies have been debunked. And in fact, being underweight is far has a far greater link to different mortalities like heart attacks specifically. You're way more likely to get a heart attack from being underweight than you are from being the same amount overweight. Because your body is like what's mm -hmm. so weak that it can't sustain itself. Absolutely. Well, it's just bad for your body to be underweight. Yeah. Your body wants to hold on to fat. Your body wants to be fed. It's better for you. Um, and in general, the percentage of the population who is overweight, who is suffering health consequences because of it, is much smaller than we think. Um, and there is a huge swath of the population that is actually perfectly healthy. And the only thing impacting their health is that their doctor is not treating them adequately, always pressuring them to lose weight in ways that are unhealthy for them and not treating underlying issues. So a huge portion of the population is being underserved. Mm. The mortality rate for um, overweight people when they seek medical care is just absolutely fucking dismal anyway i might not have done the best job of summarizing an extremely technical issue so please just look up everything you know about obesity is wrong it's a phenomenal article and it's a really great read if you're interested in the ways that fat people are mistreated by society but you're on a weight loss journey and that is personal to you <laughs> Yeah, that would be a good book, by the way. You know how sometimes they take an article and they like mm -hmm. add some more to it and make it into a book? That's like even a good title for a book. I think there yeah. have been some recently because I'm seeing more and more stuff online, like on TikTok and Instagram, that's like a little bit centered around having that conversation. Yeah. And the fact that your weight is not an expression of your health. And um, a lot of times losing weight by whatever means necessary is not necessarily good for your health. Mm. 
that being said, you can do whatever you want with your body. <laughs> Wait, what was the exact question again? It was, sh- how should I talk about this on the dating yeah, apps? Yeah, should I mention that on dating apps? Yeah, how should, should I, I it? Yeah, I don't know if that's TMI. I would say that it's not TMI. You can say whatever you want in your dating app profile. I would be anxious about something that might um, attract a person who is not a good person and who is not going to um, have a healthy view of weight and weight loss. I think you want to say things on your bio that would attract people who would have an healthy and evolved perspective the way that you do because you've been through this journey. Yeah. And a lot of people, especially if maybe they've been lucky enough to just live in a thin body naturally their entire lives, a lot of them just like have really outdated and lame perspectives about the whole issue. So try not to get with one of them because they're not going to be fun to have around in a weight loss journey. Yes. I feel like you can kind of pick up sometimes too on someone's profile if like they're weird about that stuff Mm -hmm. I don't know there's so many guys who are always like be active 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 and like don't sit on the couch and like active and I'm like I feel like you have body issues like this isn't about breathing and air on a mountain for you this is about like how somebody looks so I I don't know I could be the same on girls too 100 percent. yeah okay that's our last question Shannon what do you have coming up that you'd like the listeners to go Ooh, just a bunch of different podcast episodes. We just recorded one that'll be out soon, all about celebrity face reading. So we had Twee Dom in here, and she did um, Chinese face reading on celebrities. So we did some of the funky ones, like Benedict Cumberbatch or Anya Taylor-Joy. Like, what do their faces mean? And then we're doing some, we're doing a fun, like, government conspiracy theory. What things have they, like, snuck into bills by this woman um, who is on Congressional Dish is the name of her podcast. So she watches C-SPAN all day and she knows everything about, like, what's going on. So that was fun and conspiratorial. And then just anything celebrity gossip, speculative, or, like, junk food topics. That's what we do at Fluently Forward. That's so fun. And I am Hannah Jones Cool on every social media platforming. Links to upcoming shows and my text list is at the link tree in my bio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.